Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together, and yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. I am so excited today to talk to my friend, Mark Kay, who uh, was actually a student and became a principal. So we're going to dive into that later in the podcast. But welcome, Mark Kay. How are you, my friend? I am good. It's a little rainy here all of a sudden in Michigan. So good thing you left before the rain came. I know. I was in Traverse City and it was gorgeous. And then I landed in Fort Myers to a storm, a power outage with my cable, and then a text message that said I'm under a heat advisory. I was like, great. This is a nice welcome home. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to kick off a little bit about high school. And we've already had some fun conversations that we'll see if we can explore or not. But man, Mark is his memory bank. A lot of people, when I call Mark, are like, gosh, help jog my memory because, you know, it's a long time since everyone talked about 1984. But you have kept relationships going with teachers, with classmates, and you have a great memory. So this will be a lot of fun. I will tell you that my Uh, ex-wife, I think one of her issues, we didn't have many. One of her issues was, as she said, (laughs) I had the memory of an elephant and it would drive her crazy if we were, because I would be like, oh, no, no, that's not what you said 20 years ago. You said, and she knew I was right. That's savage, but so handy. <laughs> works. It works as a principal too, by the way, to have a good memory. Yes. I mean, can you believe it, guys? We have a classmate that ended up being a principal. That's so, so wonderful. I can't wait to talk about the differences between then and now. But um, so in high school, I noticed that you have just your senior picture, and yet you won the Michigan Competitive Scholarship Recognition Award. Do you remember that? I think that was like a PSAT thing or like an ACT oh. thing. And I'll be honest. I will never forget because based on your your score, yeah, my score. Because I didn't do it. Trust me, I didn't do it. And and you know, trust, and my score today in today's world would not even get me into most universities. But I don't think I even knew that I won that until graduation day when it was in something. Yeah, it was in our our commencement. Yeah, and, and so so I, I was like, yeah. yeah I, I, well, you know, apparently I was smarter than I thought, or cared to put work and effort in it. Here's the principal saying, I really didn't do much in high school. I got, I, my parents said get B's. I got B's without really doing much. And, uh, so yeah. Right. Check. Check. Yeah. It was basically it. I need to go to work and have fun. Who needed, you know, I didn't need to do work. I I think I've mentioned before, but I, I saw my name in there, which shocked me for some home economics award, which I didn't even take home ec for the senior class. And all my friends are teasing me like, yeah, that was your mom. That was your mom trying to get you in the bulletin somewhere. Like I'm going to, here's the funny thing. And and it goes back actually, who did you have the conversation with who he took shop? When everybody else was taking home back at Berkshire. Oh, that was Susan Siegel Crotty. Yeah. So the funny thing, the funny yeah. thing about that is, is that in seventh grade, I took 
stop because that's what you're supposed to do. I hated, I couldn't make anything. So in eighth grade, I actually yeah. took home math and it was awesome. the greatest because A, it was me and 30 girls. I mean, what could have been better in my life? And the teachers were right. so into the fact that I took it. They did all my work for me, basically. Oh, Mark. You were, you were a And then in talker. ninth grade, yeah. I remember back then, they also had batching, which was bachelor's economics at Berkshire. So it was only guys. So I took that too. And guess what? I already knew the teachers. So again, they basically did all my work for me. So it was great. That was progressive back well, then. Well, was it progressive or just also sexist because it was guys only? Or labeling. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, again, so going back, I did not know. And that award got me, um, oh, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks impressive. Well, so here's the thing, because obviously you were, you were, you knew everybody. You were always very social and yet it didn't seem like you got involved in anything. So was there a regret about that or you just wanted to lie low and just like cruise around and, be the friendly guy in the hallway or what? I, your- I don't, I, I don't think any of it was purposeful. I think that, uh, there are a couple okay. things. One is, is when in my house, when we turned 16, the rule was if you had a job, you got a car. So my, okay. and I turned 16 in January of 10th grade and I was like, okay, I want a car. So I just, I worked. So that was number one. I'm not an athlete whatsoever. And mm-hmm. so the, the sports were not going to be my thing. I liked high school a lot in its own way. I didn't need it as yeah. much as my social experience. I had a lot of friends who went okay. to Southfield Lathrop. Um, and I really spent a lot of time with my Southfield Lathrop friends, but I enjoyed coming to school. I enjoyed being in the hallways and talking to people in class and being a bit of a clown that I know I was and driving teachers crazy, which I know I did. The question is, is it, do I regret it? I have a hard time regretting things that I can't change, but I have on rare occasion thought like, oh, what if I had gotten involved in something, but whatever, I right. didn't. And I, I had good friends in high school. Um, I did not keep in touch with most of them. Um, I just went my merry way at Michigan State and found a new group of friends through a variety of different things, but I have no regret other than the fact that I did beg my parents to let me go to Southfield late for going into 10th grade and they said no. But once they made the decision for me, I have no regrets on anything that I did or didn't do. We talked about that because, so did you just feel like A, you had more friends there, B, was it just more of a Jewish population as well? Or like, what, what was the logic between, between the two schools um, of just yeah, having so a difference? I had gone to, uh, for many years to Camp Tamarack, which is a Jewish summer camp. And yeah. summer going into 10th grade, I really went with no friends, which was amazing. I actually had to really put myself out and it was a small group of 24 people in the UP at this camp. And became, and the majority of them happened to go to Southfield Lathrop. And, and so okay. I, um, also might have had a crush on one of them who is actually to this day one of my closest friends. And so I wanted to go to Southfield Lathrop. Aww. I, I don't, you know, and I mentioned this to you in one of our conversations is that in eighth grade, I did, there was some anti-Semitic stuff going on at Berkshire that yeah. did dissipate over time. And, and by the time I went to Groves, but there was not a large Jewish population at Groves like there is a much larger one today. And yes. then, until my senior year when somehow the kind of the Jewish crowd coalesced a little, you know, yeah. so that was why. But like I said, once I didn't go to Southfield, later, whatever, I had fun. Every, I had fun every day at school. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, 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 that's what shocked me that you weren't doesn't matter. But it's like I know how how active you were knowing everybody, talking to everybody, knowing all the teachers. And it's like. 
God, you were simulated like you you own the place and yet you didn't have not a group to belong to, but like a sports or, or a theater. Or I, I would have thought one of those, you know, so that's awesome. I mean, because the show, you don't have to be involved if you just walk the halls and say, I'm, I'm right. Mark well, I mean, the only downside <laughs> to that, I would say, is that I had multiple groups of friends. So I like, yes. which is probably why when I left, I kind of just waved goodbye and said, okay, I'll go. And yeah. I worked at Camp Tamarack. I met a million people who all went to Michigan State with me. And so I, I created, yeah. you know, so there's a piece of that when I look, especially being in public schools for the last 20 plus years, when I see groups of former students who still are very connected to this day, sometimes I laugh and sometimes I think, oh, well, that would be nice, but it wasn't my mm-hmm. thing. And to me, the yeah. fact that I enjoyed going to school and hanging out with teachers and hanging out with people and that was good. It was all good. I didn't need the, I didn't need to go to the popular parties. It was all okay. No toga party yeah, no, for me. Um, no, me, me either. And if you listen to one of my podcasts, I talk about just Nancy Royal and I driving around by the parties. We never went into the parties. We just would drive by and it looked like we were there. Which is know? funny because so, if, if you, if someone asked me, I would have thought you were at the party. Mm-mm. No, no. I, I, you know, like I said, I had my, my mom to contend with who, who knew all. And we had a class of Tata tellers. So like they would all tell her like, Oh man, so and so got drunk. I was like, oh, another name off the list. I can't well, play. I will tell you, I loved your mom, and I loved going by the office. But I never gave her. I yeah. never gave her any. I would never have given her any gossip like that. You know, but I can't even imagine oh, how right. hard it would be to have my mother in school every day talking to every human being that I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It, it was. It was a love hate. Okay, so you mentioned working. I did the same thing. I got like a beige Chevette because I had a job. I babysat most of my life. But then, like you said, it was like, okay, now you need to make real money. And I got a job at a law firm and I had this little beige Chevette from uh, Thelma Irwin, who used to also work at Groves. And she was like a neat freak. So the car was fantastic. It drove perfectly. What was your first Uh, car? My first car was a Ford Mustang, a five-speed. So I had to learn how to drive a stick shift right away. It was actually, I inherited it from my sister when she went off to college. Uh, Actually, I stole it from my sister when she went to college because she couldn't take it. It was hiding in in a garage across the street that we parked in the winter. And my parents happened to go to work before I went to school. So once I got my license, I just slowly Mm -hmm. started taking the car every day. I paid for my parking permit. What was it back then? $25? Yeah. Something ridiculous. Yeah. And so I, and by the time they realized I was doing it, they were just like, whatever. I was not going to ride the bus anymore. I was you know, beneath me at that point. So uh, yeah, it was a Ford Mustang. I loved the car. And then I had it for probably two years, maybe. And then it died. What color was it? Because I mean, we all know who had the cool cars. Silver. silver. Okay. Yeah. There was a silver. There was a blue. That was Simkey. There was a cream color. That was Danielle um, Williams. Like well, I remember. Mine was older. Mine was a seventy. Okay. Okay. But, but still, classic, yeah, so like it's very, come very on. cool. And did you go out for lunch every day? Yeah, right. Did you go to McDonald's? Um, or well, it's funny. I, so I, my side hustle is I teach driver's education. And so yesterday, yesterday, I think it was yesterday. Currently, he's talking about Currently, currently yes. Because, you know, I'm a public educator. Yeah. You have to have 12 jobs. So um, <laughs> I was driving down Southfield yesterday and went by the Arby's. And I said to somebody, oh, oh yeah, I used to go there for lunch. But the key was with the Burger King and the Arby's was who got there first, the gross kids or the SL kids. So 
Because you were going to be late right. if you didn't if you didn't drive like a bat out of hell, which you shouldn't speed. But no. you're right. Like if you didn't get there, right. so you were going to be late. But I I will say I had a way with my teachers, and if I was late, I was able to finesse my lateness a little bit. I did not get thrown out of any classes, and I guarantee you, I was never on time. So yeah, so I we did, we did, but we, uh, Little Caesars too. We used to pick up Little Caesars. I think it was my junior year because I yeah. lived the, thirteen in Southfield, right at thirteen in Southfield. Okay, and I, and I lived yeah. in the neighborhood yeah. behind there. So sometimes we would just get food and go to my house, eat, and then go okay. back to school. So you were in Cranbrook with me then, Cranbrook subdivision, or you the other Manor, way, the, the which other is just okay. east of Southfield Road. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Very fun. And none of that exists anymore. And it was like some of the best memories is to just get out and so, so fun. So let's talk about teachers because you were a smooth talker and like you had charisma forever that I can remember. Were you like that, first of all, as a kid before we go to the teachers? Were you always like the negotiator in preschool about snacks? I don't, um, if you trade me this, I can just see I, I won't get into too much detail. I actually got suspended from preschool, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> no I'm probably the only kid, no one of the only people to get. Well, actually, in today's world, it happens a lot because if you bite a kid, you get sent home. In my world, it was just don't yeah. dunk a kid's head in the soap bubbles. I guess I have always, I would say, yes. Like I just, I like to smooth, and um, yeah, you know, yeah. I probably yeah. in, in elementary school, if you ask like my little Greenfield Elementary compadres. We probably got away with a lot and partly because I talked to teachers like they were human beings. Yeah. I mean, thank you for your service in administrative uh, school district, but you also could have been phenomenal in politics because uh, obviously. That we do not need. <laughs> not, not that you want oh. to, but that's quite a yeah, quite a so, so, t- so you are. I mean, I was, yeah. So that relates to teachers. Yeah, so Go I was going to say, I mean, even like, it, it, you know, Berkshire, I, I, and I know I told you this on the phone the one day that. Uh, Mrs. Stevenson, who uh, I had in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade for friends, had a baby. Yes. And the morning she had her baby, my phone rang before I left for school, and it was her on the other end of the phone, tell, like telling me that she had had a baby because she didn't want me to hear in school. She wanted me to hear from her. I mean, you told me that I was like, my gosh! First of all, she had to write down your number and use a phone to call you <laughs> from the hospital. And- <laughs> from the hospital! <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah. Have you talked to like have you kept in touch with uh, all no. these years? I, you know what I mean the sad okay. part is is here I had all these relationships and I can like in high school yeah. I had a very close relationship with Mrs. Faluka. I was at her house making pancakes yeah. and waffles one time and yeah. she and I went out for you know, and we did keep in touch for a little bit and I mean Miss Slaughter, Ms. DeCesar, there were times like uh, on half days where I went out for lunch with them because I was their aide as well. And I just was given Miss Slaughter's phone number recently and now I need to take the effort to actually connect with her. I as a kid, I like my parents' friends. Right. Like I was into adult yeah. conversation, yeah. even sometimes more than stupid drama high school, which is kind of funny because that's what I had done for over 20 years is stupid drama high school. Um, I've never really left it, but um, the teachers kind of gave me that balance and and they treated me like not like a child. No. And and I've talked about this before, but I think two beautiful things that came out of being in the era that we did, you could have relationship with your teacher, which is such a fine line today. So that's that's sort of sad. I I get it. But you know, they really were genuine without any ill intentions. They were wonderful. And we as kids grew up having to speak to adults, look them in the eye, introduce ourselves, 
because there wasn't a way to text a parent or or sideswipe a conversation. You had to go eye to eye and either ring ring the doorbell and say, hi, I'm a friend of Mark's from school. You know, I just think we advanced quickly in those adult relationships more so than our children did. At least that's my observation because we, we had to, and it was great. Well, I will say, and, and, you know, and I made fun of my father for this when I was a kid and it irritated me, but he, it was always look them in the eye, shake their hand when you're introduced. Yes. Don't yes. look at your feet. Don't mumble when you speak. Um, yes. And actually, when I taught English, I taught um, for years a communication course. And I, it was my favorite thing to oh. teach because I was able to teach this next generation how to actually interact. And I actually got a student of mine forwarded me an email from his college professor who he had to get up and give a presentation. And after the presentation, the professor sent him an email and said, Whoever taught you how to do this, you need to email them right now and thank them. Mark, that's a really cool yeah. story. And it was like, because, but to me, it's communication, right? How you've got to communicate yeah. with people. Luckily, my kids yeah. know how. I mean, they didn't have a big choice. But yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's yeah. fascinating that I do see two things in today's world. I see kids who can do it. It's very natural for them. Yep. And then I see the other end mm-hmm. where either they don't communicate at all or they don't know how to communicate without being disrespectful, swearing at you, ignoring you because, you know, and, or I literally can walk down the hallway of my high school and I will watch kids walk right by me and their, their phone is in their face. So they don't even notice that I'm there. Yeah. I guarantee when I was in high school, if I was walking down the hallway, a teacher said hello to me or asked why no I was way. in the hallway. Yeah. Did I have a pass? Like sometimes I really didn't. But um, sometimes I just snuck out. Let's be honest. Uh, I needed a break. So, uh, but yeah, but it's a different, and, and the, cell, the cell phone and the social media has actually eradicated what I would call positive relationships between adults and students. Before we keep going, because I do want to talk about the administrative yeah. world that you were in, because you, you've delved into it. You did get the box of, of candies. So was there, like, uh, I'll confess, I, I came in late yesterday and I had to whatchamacallit out of that box. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I just had to go back in time. What was your go-to, like, candy? Um, I would say, I love cookie rolls. And I think part of it is oh, my, okay. grandparents, my grandfather loved cookie rolls. So that, so a lot of my candy, my parents were not, did not allow a lot of candy in the house. A lot of my candy eating came from my grandparents. Yeah. And luckily my grandparents were extremely, young grandparents so like they they got it and uh, so cookie rolls yeah. m&ms snicker bars but i also razzle right when the movie I when the movie razzle. uh uh was it um oh god what's that jennifer what's her name movie Thir- 13 going on 30 whatever it's called oh going on yeah, and yeah eating the yeah. razzle 13 going on 30 and i'm yeah. like oh yeah of course, yes. razzle yes. like who would want to eat some razzle even though they lost yes. taste in like five minutes right <laughs> Or, or juicy fruit but, gum. That was like. Just, then I was thinking the other uh, about the. Remember there? I don't remember the name of the gum that had like it had liquid in the middle. So when you chewed on it, you got like that little extra. Oh, bubble yum! No, it wasn't bubble yum. Oh no, not bubble yum. No, there, there was, was another yeah, one that uh, came in different flavors, and so I'm a big gum yes. chewer. I do love me. So I yeah. do love gum. So yeah. So, but to me, yeah. candy is your childhood for sure. Well, and it was so creative right. back then too. You had like the little liquid. You like there was more of candy uh, cigarettes because I thought I was need- so cool smoking my candy cigarettes <laughs> with a little plume of smoke. But I do think that when you eat the right candy, it, there is. Um, now I'll throw my master's of social work in here. There's that sensory piece 
of candy yeah. that brings you back, hopefully, to a pleasant, yes. more memory yeah. experience. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I've got some sweet news to share about old time candy. They're all about bringing back the classic candies we grew up with in love. How you ask? With the Decades Box, of course. It's like taking a time machine back to your childhood, only sweeter. Personally, I've ordered from Old Time Candy to add some pizzazz to friends' milestone birthdays. And wow, was it a hit. Each box is jam-packed with goodies from the decade of your choice that will transport you back in time with a single bite. Plus, this family-owned business has been run by candy lovers for candy lovers since 2000. So if you're eager to relive the good old days, go ahead and check out Old Time Candy. You won't be read it. All right, now let's get back to the show. I agree. I'm going to ask you one more high school question. It's a trivia one, and then we'll go to your current day. Do you remember our class song, our senior class song? So, okay, going back to your conversation earlier that I literally came to school, I drove into the parking lot, went to my classes, entertained whoever I could entertain, and (laughs) drove out. Um, I'm not going to say I was the perfect student because, you know, you uh, did I go out for lunch? I did go out for lunch. I don't always remember school after lunch. But yeah, and then my senior year, I only, I did a co-op. So I was only there three hours and then went to work. Yeah, I forgot about co-op. Do they still have that in, in school curriculums have, anymore? I not, as, not in the same way where we just, like where you got like X number of credits. Now in order to do it, there, yeah. it's, it's through, you have to take certain CTE classes, current tech classes, okay. and then you can do it. And I mean, so it's, it's a little more involved than it was because I just remember filling out a piece of paper, handing it to whatever that woman's name was in that room that had all the job listings on the wall and said, here, yeah. I'm going to do this. And I was at, I left, you know, every day at whatever it was, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, went to work till five, you know, four or five o'clock. It was awesome. I mean, so to talk another about a contrast, like a lot of kids don't seem to work today. Some do, and I'm not criticizing the next generation. Like, we're the ones that raised them. So, but you know, we, we had all of those opportunities where it was like, if you wanted a job, you were told to go look on the board and see what's available. I put my babysitting up there. I, that's how I found my law firm job. Like we had the resources to help kids get a job. And I, I don't know if that's today. It's kind of sad if it's, if it's I not, you know, it's not there. It's not in the same way. There's not an, uh, I mean, when I, when yeah. I taught at Lakeland high school in White Lake, we did have a place and the jobs were still posted. This is, I I mean, they weren't even online yet. But over time, it just kind yeah. of became like, well, okay, then start knocking on doors. And like, you know, you're 15, 16 years old. Now, like, go, like no experience, no nothing. I will tell you yeah. with my own children, so I have two daughters. I've got one who will be 30 in a week, a little, uh, almost a week. Okay, so I wanted to go through. And then yep. I've got another mm-hmm. one who is 25 and she's getting married September 3rd. And um, mm-hmm. my oldest daughter, her opinion was school was her job, right? She had, she wanted to do mm-hmm. schoolwork. She wanted to get into U of M. School was her job. My other daughter hated school, so mm-hmm. she always worked to keep herself busy and occupied. And she found her jobs. Like I didn't, nobody really helped her, but it's also a personality thing. So I do think it is different. And I think, you know, look, okay, kids still have the same jobs. I've got a lot of students who work at the McDonald's and the, but I will tell you too, one of the issues is, is that Kid, like, you know, I know when I worked at Federal Hardware in Southfield, so what did I make? Yeah. Maybe I made yeah. $6 an hour, 5 I don't even remember, right? And now I hear yeah. my students say, well, if they're not going to pay me at least 15 then I'm not going to work there, right? And and I get it, right? Like, yeah. you know, I get it to a degree, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, how about some experience? How about, and they're so, 
picky about it, right? And they're so quick to quit. And then if they don't like something, it's like, I'm done. That instant mm-hmm. satisfaction. You, you, you brought up something, Mark, that I'm also thinking about. Your daughter that was like, school is my job. One of the things, and I have empathy for the kids today on this, so we can say they don't want to work, and I and I get it, and some of them should and take the $12, for God's sake. But the requirements now, look at all the people that are declined from universities who were student council president, got this award, were in all of these AP classes or whatever they call them today. If you weren't in an advanced placement or if you weren't in some type of extra class or took more, it's becoming that yep. it's a job in high school. And, and there is no time for maturity and growth as a human being because you're trying so hard to have this list of requirements for colleges that I think are way too extensive. I I do feel bad that we a, a regular math class now is like right. you're right. a loser. That's well, terrible. I said too, right? When when we graduated in 1984, I got into Michigan State. I had a three point, but I know people from our class who had a two five and got into Michigan State, right? Where my three point wouldn't get me into Michigan State today. My test scores for sure would get me next to nowhere. We live in a society yeah. academically where being average is not good enough. Where yes, you have the option mm-hmm. to go to community college and to save money. It's a great option, actually. But if you're forced to go there because you have other struggles academically in your home life or whatever, then you are penalized because you don't have the grade mm-hmm. to get into mm-hmm. Any kind of, I mean, I, you know, my younger sister went to Grand Valley when it was Grand Valley State College before it was even a university. I didn't even know what it was. To this day, we make fun of her for going there. But back then, like, you could basically (laughs) just apply and get into Grand Valley. Well, in 2023, to get into Grand Valley, you need a, and it actually turned into one of the best schools in the state, but you need a three, 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 four, 26, 27 on the ACT, et cetera, to get into a university that you used to be able to just walk into breathing. Do you see that fear, or I don't know if that's the wrong fear, do you see that anxiety with the students today? Like, Do you physically feel that some of them are just anxious about that, and how do you Um, feel about that? I think that there's a lot of anxiety in high school. Um, I mean, it's so funny. Like, I don't ever remember feeling anxious in high school. Like, okay, maybe I was anxious because I chose not to study for a test and I knew that I had to take the test that day. You know, I mean, anxiety for me was, gee, I need to use the restroom and I'm not going to use the restroom. So now I got to get a pass and drive home so that I can use the bathroom in my house. I just don't remember that, that anxiety. And I look at it now and, you know, Mm -hmm. and my older daughter suffers from anxiety. Both of my daughters actually suffer from certain levels of anxiety. And mm-hmm. I think for my older daughter, it was like this idea of I, I, I need to be perfect to get to this level I want to go to. Like if, you, if you're yeah. deciding that you need to be perfect at the age of 17 or 18, like where do you have, what, like you yeah. can't, you know, I always say, and, and sitting in a, yeah. in the passenger seat uh, with 14 and 15 year olds teaching them to drive and my life is in my hands. I always say to them, like, oh, you're going to make mistakes, right? Like, I feel like our generation, we were allowed to make mm-hmm. mistakes, and it was okay. And I feel like now yes. there's a lot less mistakes you can make. And, again, part of that is also social media. You can't make a mistake, and if it's on social media, it's going to follow you for the rest of your life. And and do we carry some of that, though, Mark, because we're the ones that raised all of these kids? Or do we have to adapt to the times and be like, this is the only way you're going to get into it? Michigan. This yeah, is the only I way. Like, we have to, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, it's a hard question. Sometimes I do know where I right. screwed well, up. And I don't <laughs> think, and I think the funny thing is, I don't think we screwed up because I think that 
in in theory, we were raising our kids like we were raised to a degree, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, in you know the middle of the nineties, this thing the internet arrived and AOL and instant messenger mm-hmm. and, and as technological immigrants, which our generation are technological immigrants, we were not born with it. We were not raised yes. with it. Right. Yep. We, like you said in, in other term. podcasts, what I, we were raised with a long cord that we could hide in our bedroom or in a bathroom or in a bathtub talking to our friends for four hours on the phone. And so we did not understand the technology. So our kids, especially mm-hmm. our, like I know in my kids in their 20s, they were not taught how to pro- appropriately use the internet. They were not taught how to use yeah. social media because we didn't know what it was. The problem now is, right. is that nobody's really teaching it. And it just, you know, like I will tell you some of the biggest issues in my building all revolve around Kids sending out Instagram messages, text messages, you know, wherever, whatever the latest thing is, sending out these horrible messages. You should die. You should kill yourself. You're ugly. You're fat. You know, uh, don't come to, if you come to school tomorrow, I'm going to beat you up because you looked at my boyfriend wrong. And they don't realize like, well, if a kid shows me that, then it goes against the code of conduct. And what is the consequence? And they don't get it. And sometimes even I'll call a parent, I'd be like, well, you know, they put this out there. Well, they didn't do it during the school day. And I'm like, but when it comes into the school, then it is, there's an effect. So I, you know, I, and, and we, here's another issue that I find that the parent, today's parents who are raising today's elementary, middle school, teenagers and whatever, they don't want a parent. They want to be friends with their kid. Like your mother was not your friend, right? Your no. mother, and <laughs> yeah. who I thought was my friend, but really yeah. your mother was not my friend. She was just the very nice lady in the office right. who treated me respectfully. And even, you know, even right. though, even if I went to Marla Faluka's house to make pancakes, in her home, there was yeah. still this delineation, right? I knew my parents loved me. They were not my friends. My kids used to say, be my friend. I'm not your friend. It's not my job to be your friend. And we live in a world where parents want to be their kids' friends, so they yeah. jump to their defense over everything. I, I always laugh. I always used to say, if a teacher called my house, which did happen sometimes, even if I said to my parents, this is what they did to me, my dad's response was, well, if they needed to call, you've been doing other things, you're grounded. You know, like there was no, like there, it was absolute respect and and why do teachers leave the profession? Because parents do not respect them, right? Uh, the kid is always right. The teacher is always wrong. The administrator is wrong. Even if we have evidence, somehow we're making it up or we're over analyzing it and so forth. And, and I think this is what one of the issues that's come with parenting is that they want, you know, oh, just like me. So I'm going to, oh, I'm going to let you have the parties at my, in our house. And I'll buy the yeah. alcohol because, oh, well, at least you and your friends will like me, right? Um, yeah. You know, like my parents would have assumed, like, never let me out of the house before they bought alcohol for my friends and I. So teachers, so you've had the um, understanding of how, what it's like to have a, a friendship or relationship in high school. And now you've got teachers calling you and coming to you. And is it just on such a, a level of concern that like blows you away that you do feel so bad about the situation that they're put in that you probably didn't see in our day? Uh, not even our day when I first started in the profession, right? Like we went to work and okay. we did our job and teachers had fun and students were, yeah. you know, overly respectful and we didn't, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you take your Columbine on. Right. And, and now, okay. so, you know, when you look at a teacher, 
A, first of all, teachers were not back in the day expected to teach morals to students. That was in the home. Well, te- parents don't do it. Right. So now you've got teachers who are expected to embed social emotional learning into their um, curriculum so the kids can learn some morals and values. So that's on the teacher. Then you have this idea of, am I safe when I go to school every day? You know, and, you know, I have had, you know, I had a situation last year where there was a rumor that a student in my school had a gun and we, I mean, he did, it was a BB, ended up being a BB gun. But again, you know, today's BB gun is tomorrow's AK-17. Um, so there are, you know, there are those things, right? Um, so you have that, you, you know, Kids, you've got the disrespect, right? The kids do not seem to have a fear of swearing at a teacher, storming out of a classroom, slamming the door, even if they know they may end up in trouble. They're just, they're, they, they're willing to do it. They're, you know, and from the most affluent districts down to the poorest districts. It's not like, I do not believe sometimes the socioeconomic covers everything in, in mm-hmm. behavior. Teachers in Michigan actually get paid decently, but for what they have to do, teachers do not get paid. If you look at teachers in Europe and in the Far East, how revered they are, right? The teachers in in Japan and China are treated like we treat doctors and lawyers and apparently YouTube influencers, (laughs) you know? And and by the way, there's another issue. Do you know how many students I have who feel they don't need to do school because they're going to be the next influencer? The next oh, for rapper, sure. Yeah, they, um, you know, right. all these things Good because luck. of the internet, yeah. right? They just think, oh, yeah. if I yeah. can get, I'll get followers and, and I don't yeah. need to go to college. I don't need it. So it's just a funny thing. But yeah. so this, this is what's really hurt the profession. And, and I thought initially COVID was actually going to change it because when yeah. parents suddenly had to be the teachers, they were like, Same. oh my God, we love Same. teachers, blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. when the school started opening up again and they weren't mm-hmm. getting what they wanted from teachers, suddenly it got even worse and the teachers were even worse. And, you know, so I, a lot of it comes down to, again, parents not wanting to parent, not supporting mm-hmm. authority and mm-hmm. wanting to be their friend at, at an early age. Mark, I thought, I thought, God, I could talk to you for so long. I thought COVID was going to be the 9-11 in that we all came together. I thought COVID was going to change our priorities and make us understand the world should be a better place. And we don't need 40,000 planes in the sky. And, you know, I just thought it was going to, because there were benefits when you had to pause and think about life that I took away from COVID. And then we went right back to screaming on planes and getting mad at teachers and like it's like oh my god what in the world and i agree i mean look i have there are things about covid i i I mean i got to ride i'm an avid bike rider so i got to ride my bike basically every day for six months or more with my friends because none of us were at work but i got to meet all my neighbors and have and actually our neighborhood actually became a little more united which was kind of fun to see you did get to know but there are other pieces and it's just an interesting piece right like again you know, school shootings, well, are there benefits? There are no benefits in school shootings, but security has become yeah. to the forefront and so forth. But again, too, wasn't it nice when you went to Evergreen Elementary and you just walked in, you didn't worry about locking the doors and you didn't have to do, I mean, okay, we did a tornado drill because we lived in Michigan. We did a fire drill because that's what you did. You didn't do, you know, you weren't throwing things at fake people coming into your classroom to see what would happen. 
if you know how do you get a gunman off task yeah. and so i mean when you're sitting through training your staff on what is called alice training and and what to do and it changes every year so you have to get retrained but again okay. you know like in the old days it was hide in a corner and now it's mm-hmm. hey if somebody's coming in bear you know barricade yourself but be ready to throw things get them off balance and see who and whoever's willing to grab the gun grab the gun but like again like this is what we're dealing with in school so mark first of all thank you for sharing all of that and uh, there's parts of when you were talking that i had to kind of i'm going to probably do it again i get a big lump in my throat so i just think it's awesome what you're doing and and thank you how do you personally stay motivated I wasn't one of these people. I didn't say in high school, I'm going to be a teacher. Like that was the last thing I was going to be. Yeah. I was, I went to Michigan state. I was pre-med for two and a half years. I was going to be a doctor. I oh. was, you know, okay. you know, a nice Jewish boy doctor. That was my goal. Make everybody happy. Two and a half years in, I was miserable uh, taking science classes mm-hmm. and studying and whatever. And I had babysat. I had worked at summer camps. Uh, my jobs at Michigan State, I worked at a kinder care nursery school one year. I worked at a middle school in the cafeteria um, and so forth. So everything said, yeah, this is your path. This is my call. So I finally listened yeah. to the universe and said, okay, I'll, I will take this as, as my path. And then I had to go back to school for two more years after I graduated from state to do all the stuff that I hadn't done. My motivation, I love what I do. Right. I, I really, I, I love, I loved my 10 and 11 years being in the classroom. It was amazing. I love being an administrator. You get to really tackle things. My motivation is watching kids graduate, especially kids who you think will never get there. Um, you know, watching them actually mm. cross that stage. Okay. Their yeah. growth. You know, yeah. working with a kid who is volatile, who by the end of the year is catching themselves and their volatility. And you know that you had something to do with that. Uh, working with teachers and trying to make them better instructors, better teachers, better listeners. You know, I had a great conversation years ago. I have a, a brother-in-law of mine who at the time mm-hmm. was a partner in a very large law firm making amazing money. And he said to me, like, doesn't it ever bother you if you're living paycheck to paycheck and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him, I said, when you wake up in the morning, are you excited to go to work? And he said, no. I said, and mm-hmm. when you come home from work, mm-hmm. are you excited about your day and mm-hmm. excited for the next day? And he said, no. I said, I am. And to me, all the money in the world can't buy enjoying and what you do and feeling like you're making a difference at the same time. I adore you on so many levels. Like what you're doing is fantastic. So thank you. You know it's your calling. And I love that, that you stuck with it. I've sold software just because that's what I got into. It was nothing I ever wanted to write home about. And I've always envied people like you that find something that helps make a difference. And that's really, really cool. And you should be really proud of it because I just, I'm sitting back listening to it and just marveling at you. So I'm going to transition to Dr. Pepper, yeah. the sweeter life. So you, you, you've you mentioned a couple of things. You said you weren't an athlete, but I know for a fact you ride a bike longer and farther than I ever would. So you definitely have the joy of going on three-day, four-day bike rides. I tell people, people but wait a minute, what? what's the most important about my three-day bike rides? Yeah, <laughs> you get a hotel, a hotel room because room you're yeah. Jewish. <laughs> You're not camping. Yeah, not camping. yeah, I love it. So you do do that and you are still, you know, loving this job. But where do you, uh, you did recently, you know, go through this divorce that t- changes the 
trajectory of how you look at your future. I've been there. So where do you, what does the roadmap look like for, for um, RK at this point? I don't know the roadmap, to be honest. I've heard you ask this question multiple okay. times and I've thought about it because yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know what tomorrow brings, right? God, I mean, yeah. anything could happen. God forbid, I could, you know, whatever. Um, so I'm very fortunate. I'm healthy. And like you said, I, I mean, I'm not an athlete, but I do, I've gotten into this bike riding thing. Um, and I do, you know, ride a, an exponential number of miles with my friends. And I partly, it's a very yeah, social thing. And it is also to raise, I do yes. raise money for Make-A-Wish every year for that as well. As long as I enjoy what I'm doing, I will continue doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I like what I do. So I don't like, you know, I don't envision giving yeah. it up anytime soon. You know, it goes back to, I was, you know, Denise Levy, whose sister I actually am friendly with and taught her kids Hebrew school. Um, you know, when oh, she said, like, great. why, why, if I love going and doing what I do, why would you just give that yes. up just to, you know, uh, I don't know. So it's an interesting question. To check off that you're yeah, retired. Right. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, maybe I'll check off that. I've enjoyed talking to you pre and post, and I just think we're going to stay in touch forever because we've had so much talked about. Yes. And uh, I can't thank you enough for being on. It's always a, a time out of everybody's day to join my podcast tonight. And I'm so grateful for that. And I just thank you so much, Mark. I'm glad you're doing this. It's really brought back some good memories of some good ones and actually good. some real heart thought, like thoughtful pieces of my life. and. And, you know, and, and looking mm. back on that. So I think what you're doing and is, is fun. It's fun if you know the, the, the players involved. Um, even if you weren't yeah. friends with all of them yeah. or they weren't part of all the stories, but it's just, it harkens back to a simpler time, they say. It does. It does. And unless we start, you know, reminiscing and sharing stories of way, way back when, they're going to yep. go away. So uh, we have to keep, keep boosting up the Gen X story. Great. So I thank you, Mark, and we will talk again soon. All right, friends. That's it for this episode of Class Reunion Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show, write us a review, and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time.